thank you, Lord, so much for your incredible, awesome, unfailing love toward us. We know we didn't deserve it, but you and your grace gave it to us. Let us just let us just rest in that. First John says that you lavish your love upon us. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Pastor Simon and team. Well done, as usual. Always good to have you here. So, All right, so we're going to get into the book of Ruth. But first, let's talk a little bit more about Vacation Bible School. All right? Um, so we'll get our slides getting up here and going here. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. They're coming. There we go. Happy man's back. Yeah. <laughs> He was in vacation Bible school this week. You can see, all right? And we didn't have too much of the bottom right there, too much angst, okay? We, we got through it pretty well. And uh, But, wow, what a great week. We averaged 146 kids throughout the week, man. I think our high was 154, I think, um, um, Wednesday, I think. We averaged 66 leaders to be here in the, in the facility with us every day. I'm just telling you, you're not going to find a better percentage probably anywhere in the world of leaders, adult leaders who come and love on our kids. Good job. Thank you so much to all of you for being that. And everybody who helped out, the various ways you helped out, the bringing of crafts, the bringing of snacks. Man, did we have some good snacks. And coming on Friday, we always have these chocolate milkshakes with ice cream in them. It's worth coming to Vacation Bible School for that. I'll tell you what. If you haven't been a leader yet, you need to come and be a leader and make it to Friday, okay? If you can make it to Friday, I guarantee you can be energized. Thank you for all of you who came and helped out on Friday night. Your help was so encouraging to see you, to see you all fresh and smelling good and looking rusted up, and we smell terrible. And <laughs> thank you so much for being a part of that. that it, just, it just energizes us. Uh, it was full in here. 270, 80 people were here with their kids. And, and I apologize. We totally forgot to have kids come and do our songs this morning. Johnny Dasher texted me last night and said, Are kids singing this morning? It's like, oops. <laughs> we usually do that because they're bringing some people back. And so uh, we apologize for that. Just didn't even think about that possibility. But... Oh, my goodness. It was so good. So, we had our theme, and our motto was, it goes like this. You help me out. Created, designed, empowered, right? The kids are on it. Now, you're going to catch up now. Here we go. One, two, three. Created, designed, empowered. Okay. You're created, you're designed, you're empowered. Okay. Here we go. One, two, three. You guys are kind of weak this morning. Created, designed, empowered. Come on, here we go. Let's get after it now. One, two, three. We need a little bit more from this one, design people, okay? We're going to give them one more chance, okay? Maybe I'll hold back just a little bit, okay? You bring it out a little more, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. Okay, we're getting there, okay? Created by Christ, designed by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
That's what we looked at the whole time. And our theme verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we as workmanship, say it with me, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Ephesians 2, 10. One more time. For we are as workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Ephesians 2, 10. So uh, I think we got that verse fairly well down. I shared this with them Friday morning and Friday night. So uh, early in the morning, on Friday mornings, I got up to have my prayer time. I'm praying through my biblical list, the biblical virtues that many of you pray for your kiddos with, your grandkids. Here's, here's what it says on the 10th. Biblical self-esteem, that's what we're praying. Help my children develop a strong self-esteem that is rooted in the realization that they are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2.10. Do you think God was like with us? <laughs> yeah. I listened to Way FM that morning as I'm getting ready. Guess what the verse of the day was? Colossians 3.2. No, whoa, whoa, Ephesians 2.10. That's what God does when we're listening. And what he does and shares together with us. What a, what a valid, validation of what God was doing in our midst throughout that week. This might have been the most respectful group of kids we've ever worked with. They were just amazing, kind and gracious. We had a bunch of 7th and 8th graders, a bunch of 5th grade boys that were just, they were after the songs like we've never heard them before. I mean, they, they, were, they were incredible. So thank you, everybody, for praying and being a part of the week. Um, it, was, it was just a, a, a powerful week. Oh, oh, oh. And, and lastly, next slide. I think it's the next slide. Ten salvations. At least ten salvations that we know of. Yeah. And if you're a leader and you know of others, please come and tell me so we can record that and work on those, follow up in that. And then we took up our offering. Do you see that number at the bottom? $1,654 for a voice for children. Our usual offering is about $600. That's just a little bit more than $600, isn't it? I didn't get the one in there inadvertently. Okay, that's really what it was right there. So we know the parents don't have any money now now, because <laughs> they are about it to support children who are poor and need our help. We had the opportunity to have Jim Gruen here with us, uh, the founder of this, Cameron Sykes, director of the board. Warren and Carol know Jim Gruen, part of our lives growing up. As I mentioned to our kids, Dave Gruen was my youth pastor. His brother was my youth pastor growing up. And kids, man, they came through. And, and, and I know this is hard to believe, but the boys won. <laughs> Tina's down here going, oh. uh, First time we've ever won, and we won by a landslide, okay? All right. Man, it was a really good week. And if anybody falls asleep around here, you today in the sermon, they were VBS leaders, okay? It's just, be all right about that. They worked really, really, really hard. So, 
And I know um, uh, our students are going to camp this week, and, and Tina and uh, Jamie and, and Elisha and Logan and the other leaders. It's, it's a week of vacation for them. So uh, <laughs> couldn't resist, Elisha. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, up, at, up at 6 o'clock, go to bed at midnight or later every day, right? And go all day long. It, please. If you ever thought camp was a vacation, please put that thought out of your mind right now. It is a hard week. So pray for them because they've worked really hard this week and then they go into the next week. And so you keep praying for them that God will do good work. Take that take that sheet. I got it somewhere up here. And uh, pray over those kids. I read through their names this morning. So pray over it. Take it. Read through those names every day and pray for them. All right. So I, I, I went through and looked at the, the last um, couple years of uh, sermons that we've had. So we get ready to start the book of Ruth. So we've been in the promises of God. We went through that. We had a little section on the cross. If you remember that, cling to the cross, look to the cross, uh, cast your sins upon the cross. We did Advent conspiracy at Christmas time. You all responded so well to that, working to, 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 to decrease the world's part about Christmas, to increase God's part about Christmas, and to meet needs of people. Then we did a series... We did a series on the God at Memorize. We did favorite verses in the Bible that we should have memorized. And we talked about Follow Me, a series on discipleship. Uh, we did First Thessalonians. Uh, and then we did Who is This Jesus? And then, <laughs> again, forgot about the Red Sea Rules, have you? <laughs> no, that, that, was, that was a winner. That book by Robert J. Morgan, that, that was a winner series. So it's been about 10 months since we've been in a book study. Because we finished First Thessalonians about 10 months ago. So I thought we'll put us into a summer book study, uh, the book of Ruth. So you've got to, um, I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible because we're going to read the book of Ruth in just a little bit. It's only four chapters. But I want to uh, remind you some things. Maybe you can answer these questions for me without seeing the answer yet. Don't put that slide up, please. Okay, so you've got a sermon outline. It's down in your bulletin. Help, help me out. Take it. Take it if you would. Look at it. Okay. And answer those questions just really, really quickly. All right? And then we'll come back to them in just, just a moment. It won't take you long to do that. Somewhere in here. There we go. Now, the first question is, how many chapters are there? And the second question is, who are the main characters? Okay, you, you, you're, you're answering. Okay, who wrote the story? What's the storyline? You, you've got all this done well right now, don't you? Right what are the words of Ruth often used in marriage ceremonies? We already gave you a big clue on that one. We sang it, just in case you didn't know that. Who is a well-known offspring of Ruth? And what are the names of the characters? What do the names of the characters and places communicate? All right, so you got all those done already? <laughs> yeah, 30 seconds I got all those answers. <laughs> all right, you're doing great. Okay, well, let's, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll get going. We'll reveal it here, right? Okay, so next slide, I think, will be probably the one that has some of the answers to it. How many, how many chapters? Four? Yeah, one, two, three, four. All right, and the main characters are Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz. Obviously, there's other characters in there, but they're kind of the main players in here. Now, who wrote the story? I thought this was interesting to do a little bit of research. Uh, you have to kind of think through, and, and certainly I've used commentaries and everything to help this. 
The book is written, as it says in verse 1, in the days when judges ruled. So that's about 1300 B.C., somewhere right in there. This book follows the book of what? Yeah, it was a clue. Judges. Okay, all right. Okay, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Okay, so it's right in that time period where the story occurs. But the writing of it, if you go to chapter 4, verses 13 through 17, mentions David and a genealogy of David. Well, they wouldn't have had that genealogy of David in 1300. David lived about 1000 B.C. So we don't know who the author is, but it appears that through oral tradition and through reliable historical documents that that book had to have been written after David ascended to the throne. God can do that. God can have books written 300 years later. It's all right. Somebody knew the story, and God guided them to put the story together. Just like the book of Revelation was written about 60 years after Jesus was on the earth. About 90 A.D., the book of Revelation, God guided John to put that book together so that we would know what the future holds, but he also is, is, is able to help us understand what we need to know and to guide us to put it together because God can do that. So that's what we know. That's what we know. We don't, don't know who wrote it and who put it together, but the storyline occurred when the judges ruled, but it appears that it was written after David because of the genealogy that's given in chapter 413. So that's kind of what I know. That's what I found out going through it. That was very interesting to me to, to see that and to read through it. All right? So uh, what's the, the storyline? Well, this is how I put it together. But let me read what somebody else said. I thought this was kind of interesting. They wrote this. They said, the plot follows the conventional U-shape of literary drama, with events first descending into potential tragedy and then rising to a happy ending as obstacles to fulfillment are gradually overcome. You know, if you're going to write a story, you got to, you usually start out, things are going good, and then you got to put some tension in it. Okay? And you might have more than one tension spot but you have tension in it, and then you work through the tension that is there. I mean, that happens in every Hallmark movie. <laughs> Things start out good, but then the tension enters in. Somebody's not uh, happy with somebody. Uh, something happens that's out of the ordinary, and then it all gets resolved, and it all gets put together, and I, I don't know. I, I think every Hallmark movie has had a happy ending. Alicia, is that true? Nah, she hasn't watched every one of them, right? I don't know, but, but that's kind of how it works, okay? It's hard to go to a movie that ends with a lousy ending, a bad ending. It doesn't resolve itself. So here's how I kind of put it together. A need brings a move. The move brings death. The deaths bring a move. The moves bring help. The help brings marriage. The marriage brings a child. That's the order it should be, okay? The child brings a king, and through a king comes Jesus. That's kind of how I put it together, thinking through the book, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, to be able to see that. A need brings a move. There's a famine in the Jerusalem-Bethlehem area. And so they move. They move out of Jerusalem. They go to Moab. And in Moab, Elimelech, Malan, and Chilion die. Father and sons die. The deaths bring a move. Naomi, Ruth, 
go back to Jerusalem, go back to Bethlehem. The move brings help as she meets Boaz, gets to glean in Boaz's field. Out of that comes marriage. Out of that marriage comes the child, Obed. And out of that child brings a king named David, all right? Okay? And through that king comes Jesus. Through the line of Mary comes Jesus through David. Now, that's my attempt to kind of put Ruth together to give us a little bit of help there. All right? All right, so what are the words of Ruth often used in marriage ceremonies? Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I will follow you. Right? Chris Tomlin and team has put together a few more words to it that, but oftentimes that has been used. Maybe some of you even used it in your marriage ceremony, but it's from Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Right there, as we sang earlier, as Simon, Pastor Simon, led us in that. Those beautiful, beautiful words that are there. Well-known offspring of Ruth. Everybody should get this one already. David, ultimately, Jesus. All right, read Matthew chapter 1. You'll see that. All right, the names and the characters and places communicate. So what does the name Ruth mean? Oh, it's up there for you. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Friend abiding loyalty, okay? Friend, friendship, abiding loyalty. And... Uh, just a beautiful, beautiful name. I have a Ruth in our family, daughter in love, and uh, very, very true. Friend, friendship, abiding loyalty. All right. Naomi means pleasant, and you can read that in the scripture. It's there. But then she what? She wants to change her name because of what she's come into. Her husband dies. Her two sons die. She's in a foreign land, and she says to them, "Call me Mara," which means bitter. You can read that again. It's in the first chapter there as she goes through this time of, of difficulty and loss and grief for her. Boaz means swiftness. And certainly as you look at what he did in chapters 2 and chapter 3, as he moves to, to bring Ruth into his life, he does move with swiftness. Elimelech means my God is king. Amalek means king in Hebrew. It's one word I remember from my two years of Hebrew <laughs> for some reason. El is God, all right? El, we use Yahweh, but um, El Shaddai, God, the powerful God, almighty God. And so we had that opportunity to put that together. Lemelech meaning my God is king. And then or Orpah, uh, Neck, or I put Don. It should be Fawn. Wow, who typed that thing up? Oh, my goodness, I'll tell you what. Shifting neck or fawn is what it means there. Uh, interestingly, I, one of the commentaries I looked at, uh, that's interesting. They said that um, Orpa is, let me see, i got it written down here. Orpa is the mother of Goliath. I put a question mark after that because I didn't have a chance to kind of look into that. I'd like to look into that just a little bit more to see where, where they're coming from as they looked at that. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can find out more about that. Uh, Naomi, Mara, Boaz, Elimelech. Um, he's also, as we know, he's the kinsman. He's a kinsman of Boaz. He's a relative of Boaz. And that allows him to be what we call, as we call the kinsman redeemer. We'll certainly look at that more. Uh, Malon means sickness. I, I think that's kind of interesting, too. Um, 
And Chilion uh, means wasting. Their names give reason to what happens to them. But I'm kind of, I don't know, I'd be really interested to know why you would name your children those names. I don't know. Anyway, you have an answer to that, you can let me know that. <laughs> Bethlehem means house of bread. Um, Ephrathite, he mentions that, means fruitful. Uh, area around Jerusalem. Uh, it says Ephrath, older Canaanite name for Bethlehem. Uh, you'll remember Micah talks about that, Bethlehem, Ephrathah talks about that in Micah 5.2, where the Messiah is coming from. I find it interesting that Elimelech and his family moved from an area known as the House of Bread to an area that appears to me to be at least as desolate as the Jerusalem area, and there doesn't seem to be food in the area. There is food, but in its topography, in its geography, it doesn't seem like that would be a place to go and to find bread. But there was. All right, and then Moab means from the father. Um, that's kind of present day, a little bit lower, present day Jordan. Um, we have friends from our church here who are in Amman, Jordan, serving the Lord there. And they just had a baby. If you hadn't heard about that, the Dashers just had their baby. They were looking forward to that baby coming. And uh, Anya is uh, her name. And uh, so we're rejoicing in that and to be able to support them, be a part of their so, as I look at this book, I see these kind of these thoughts kind of come through. It's a true story about goodness. It's a true story about grief. It's a true story about grace, and it's a true story about guidance. Okay, so I want to read the book to you, and I would like for you to take a Bible. They're found in front of you. It's the uh, eighth book in, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. It's the eighth book in. Um, and we're going to read God's Word because it's worth reading. And so my challenge, which is next slide, my challenge is to challenge you to join me in reading this book every week. It's only four chapters, probably, you know, maybe maybe 15 minutes. Um, and then to take those thoughts, goodness, grief, grace, and guidance, and to write those words in the margins of your Bible. Circle them, or maybe you circle issues of goodness. Maybe you square things that are of grace. Uh, maybe you put a star by those that are things of guidance. To, to saturate ourselves in the Word of God. And so... If you have the Bible in your hand, in your tablet, or on your phone, or a Bible, um, you could get your reading done today for the week. I'd love for you to read it again, but I'm just giving you a little, little help to get started on it, right? So here we go. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah. They went into the country of Moab, and they remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. 
These took, these took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah and the other Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughter-in-laws to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set off in the place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her, to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. And Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on, and they came to Jerusalem. When they came to Jerusalem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mata. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought, back empty, brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity against me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Naomi had a relative, her husband, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was a, of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. And Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She's the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came, and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close watch, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young man not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have withdrawn. And she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother in your native land, and you came to a people that you did not know before. 
The Lord repay you for what you've done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And she said, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young man, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And he also pull, and also pull out some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. And she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an epa of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She had brought out and gave her what food she had left after she had been sa- after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all the harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with these young women, lest, you, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative with with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, All that you say, I will do. So she went down to the threshing floor and and did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. Then she came softly and uncovered his feet and lay down. At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. He said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if he will redeem you, good. Let him do it. But if he's not willing to redeem you, then as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning. So she lay at his feet until the morning, but arose before one could recognize another. And he said, Let it not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it out, and he measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? And she told her all the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me, for he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. 
Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the Redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Turn aside, friend. Sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city, and he said, Sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. And Boaz said, The day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this is the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal, gave it to the other, and this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and to Malan. Also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malan, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman, who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. May you act worthily in Ephrathah, and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Solomon. Solomon fathered Boaz. Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered David. May God bless the reading of his scripture. So that took about 12 minutes. Take the time to do that. Take the time to write the G's in there and circle and just mark up your Bible. It'll be a delight to you. And then pray for those. Pray for those that you know need to experience God's goodness. Pray for those who maybe are going through a time of grief. Pray for those who need to experience the lavish grace of the Lord. Ephesians 2 talks about that, that He lavishes His grace upon us. Just like 1 John 3, I think it says, He lavishes His love upon us. It also says, He lavishes His grace upon us.
And then pray for those, and yourself included, who need guidance. Because we all need it. To follow, as, as Elisha would say, the path God has for you. Because we all need that. So as you're going through and you're writing and you're recognizing these things, as you read through this, this beautiful book, this beautiful story, allow God to speak to you and then speak through you to those who, who need help around you, who need encouragement around you. We sang earlier that He loves me and He is for me. Those are such powerful words. Loved that song for seven, eight, ten years, however long it's been around. But Jesus loves me and He is for me. And even more than that, He knows your name. He's that acquainted with you. That he knows all about you and he knows your name. And he wants you to, to rest in that and to enjoy the fact that he's a personal God. If you don't know him as your Savior today, you don't know him as a personal God, today would be a great day to invite him into your life. Even as the VBS song was sung earlier, the ABCs, admit to God that you're a sinner and repent, turn from your sin. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God, and that He loves you. And then confess your faith in Him. Turn your life over to Him. Turn your heart to Him. Just say to Him, I need you to be my Savior. I need you to forgive my sin. I need to have your Spirit in me so that I know how to walk and to follow you well. If you don't know Jesus, just Offer up that prayer to him today. And he'll, he'll accept you. He'll welcome you into his family, even right now. Just as at least 10 kids did during vacation Bible school. But he knows your name. And he wants to share his love with you.